Another U game is in the books. Shut up. Zero, and it's time to break down today's game. This is your youth post game show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. There you go, some highlights coming out of this big Utah victory 24 to 13 over Washington State. There were some good things, and there were some bad things. There are things that Utah can absolutely improve on, but This Utah team did some things that we have not seen in the first three games that were very important. Hans Olsen, and here to help me break it down, former Utah quarterback, the greatest broadcaster in Utah broadcasting history. It is Frank Dolce. Frank, how you doing, man? Hey, Hans. Man, it's great to catch up with you. But I, I and I appreciate your heartfelt accolades, but. I think we have to go to the greatest voice of the Utes as the original voice of the Utes, Bill Marcroft. Well, I'm going to say this, the greatest color analyst in Utah broadcast history. How does that sound? All right. It sounds pretty is that, good. Is that good? All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll, all right. I'll stick with that one. Uh, Frank, you and I were going back and forth during this game, man. I, this is why I love doing this show. I, I love doing – Utah pre and Utah post and BYU pre and post. And I love having a chance to kind of voice my frustration or voice my excitement or interest in a game. And coming out of this game, Frank, there are a lot of good things to discuss. But I think that we need to start where the starting's good, and that is this this Utah offense stalling out and this Utah offense with multiple turnovers Let's kind of start there, and let's start with Cam Rising. What did you see from Cam Rising, and what did you see from this Utah offense, Frank? I I am still – I don't know what to think of this Utah offense. Is the Utah offense the offense we saw in the last five minutes that all of a sudden got interested in the ground game and, and managing, pushing your people around at the line of scrimmage and not fumbling the football? Is that the Utah offense that we should expect to see moving forward, or is it the – offense that we saw early in the football game for the for the first three and a half quarters of the football game that was inconsistent at best loose with the football 
uh, couldn't couldn't get a passing a consistent passing game going. I just uh, and I still don't think that. I mean, you may see it differently. I still don't think Utah has their issues corrected at the line of scrimmage. I saw no, I saw don't. things happen happen at the line of scrimmage that I thought, gosh, mm-hmm. you know, we're gonna we're gonna get one of these one of these guys killed back here. So certainly, lot still lots of question marks about this Utah football team offensively. If the last five minutes of what we saw Utah offensively is what we're going to get moving forward, then I would say Utah has a chance. Uh, but, but if what we saw previous to that is going to be the Utah offense moving forward, this is a team that's just going to struggle putting points on the board. That's the truth. Uh, so Cameron Rising, 13 of 23 137 yards. We'll get into the Utah offensive line struggles. We'll get into some of the dropped passes. We'll get into some of the fumbles. But I want to start. Cameron Rising, 13 of 23 for 137 yards. Frank, he looked inconsistent and inaccurate at times. Your thoughts on his timing, your thoughts on his just his overall presence in the pocket as a passer? I think... The best case scenario for Utah offensively is to is to start to tailor the offense a little bit more around Cam rising strengths and his strengths. I think are a quick passing game, get rid of the ball quickly, utilize tight end a lot, get your get your slot receiver, maybe take a shot downfield every once in a while, and then figure out a way to get him on the move regularly. Give him a lot of RPO. Give him the opportunity to be a running threat as the, from the quarterback position. Um, and, and don't put yourself in a situation where you necessarily have to rely on him to drop back on a five- or seven-step drop and read, read downfield and take a lot of time in the pocket and then try and, try and release the football. Uh, I, it just doesn't feel like that is quite his strength it could develop it's still early that could develop but right now i think he's much more of a threat as a short passing game quick passing game um move him around use his mobility uh as an as an advantage for the offense so, Frank, I need to go back, and I could calculate it for Charlie Brewer and for Cam Rising, but I need to go back, and I would love just to calculate non-tight end, non-running back receivers, non-tight end, non-running back receivers, uh, and I would almost go to wideouts just to kind of eliminate Britton Covey, even though Britton really didn't get involved in the passing game here, but just Looking at the wideouts, you know, Solomon Ennis, I know Vele's out there at times. Uh, Cubby, I know, runs out there at times. But they have zero outside target presence. I'm talking no shots downfield, no deep looks. Now, they haven't had a lot of time to do it. I don't know if they feel like they don't have time to establish a five-step drop or if they don't have time for routes to develop over the top or if they don't feel comfortable throwing some of those deep comebacks or deep outs across the field but have you ever seen wideouts 
um, used less than what we've seen with the University of Utah through the first four games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, have you ever watched the Air Force Academy? <laughs> <laughs> running off <laughs> I mean that that may be the only scenario it's it's uh, there's probably a combination of things to consider hands and uh, one is certainly the um, the time to get the ball downfield that's that that's a big that's a big difficulty that Utah's having right now is to take a five step drop take a hit step um, read downfield and make that make that throw and having enough time to, to be comfortable doing that. So that's something that certainly has to develop. I don't know that, uh, you know, I don't know that I've seen a lot of separation with Utah receivers and defense back. So that, you know, that's something else to consider. If you, if you're dropping back and you immediately read, you know, cover your man's covered, then you're, you're going off him pretty quickly, you know, and, and, and if you're getting pressure up front, then that speeds everything up. So you don't have a, you don't necessarily have time to see if your guy's going to be able to come out of a break and, and get separation. So, so that's, that's another thing. Um, that's another thing to, to consider with this football team. Um, and then I, you know, you'd have to, you have to look at the quarterback and say, does he have the ability to throw the ball downfield? I, I think he does. I think Cam Rising does. It it hasn't necessarily been displayed yet. And like I said, it's a lot different throwing the ball downfield in a seven-on-seven scenario or even an 11-on-11 practice scenario than it is on a Saturday afternoon. The speed of the game is just different. You can't replicate that in practice. And so um, that is something that, you know, he's going to have to become comfortable with and the, and the team is going to have to become comfortable with over time that will have to develop i think it can i'm optimistic um but it's it's i it, i don't see it there right now hans olsen frank dolce it is your utah post game show 97.5 1280 the zone jeff back in studio is going to keep us on the ready as soon as kyle whittingham comes to the podium we'll jump out to that audio we'll get out to kyle whittingham we'll get out to players and then we'll get out to your phone calls if you want to jump on the phone line if you've got some thoughts or some questions that you want to throw out there, 855-340-9663. Jump on that phone line. You can hang out with us and uh, ask some questions, whatever you, whatever you see, or observations that you might have from this game as well. That's 855-340-9663. Again, Kyle Whittingham will be on air shortly to break down what he saw in this game. All right, some terrible turnovers in the second half by this Utah offense as well. And we will get to the defensive side of the ball because that's where a lot of positives are going to come from. But I, 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 this, this is just a football player's mentality. You never remember the good. You only remember the bad. And there's a lot of bad to take away from this. And, Frank, I don't know if you were the same way. You come out, I would come out of a game and I would think of the three plays that I missed. I could have had, you know, two sacks, and I could have had a, a, another TFL off the edge, and I'm still thinking about giving up my gap twice on third and two, giving up that short yardage for a, for a, a first down, some type of conversion. It just sits on you. So, when I'm doing post game, oftentimes I just take a look at the things that need to be cleaned up, and the three turnovers in the second half of this game, the first offensive possession, and and Frank, I don't know if you saw this zone read. But the first offensive possession, mm-hmm. 
you see uh, you see two defenders lined up on a heavy set off the left side of the defensive line, right side of the offensive line, and the tight end takes in man a line of scrimmage, which is actually a standing outside backer. Defensive end in zone read is left unblocked, and that quarterback needs to watch his angle. If his angle is downhill towards the running back, he's got to pull it, and he's got to work off that tight end's reach block off in man a line of scrimmage. He didn't pull it. He handed it to Makai Bernard, and Makai Bernard was promptly hit and fumbled. Uh, what did you see in that? How, how versed are you in the zone read? Should Cam Rising have pulled? I, I'm assuming that there was a zone read option for him to pull there. I don't think that that was just a, a give and give. It, it, uh, the play looked like a zone read, and obviously we can't tell if the, if the coaching staff just said, hey, give it. You know, so we, we're not certain about that. Um, I don't know why the defensive line was hit, hit, hit Bernard as he received the ball. I mean, that, you, gotta have, you have to have something at the line of scrimmage. Um, to slow that down a little, a little bit, and so the timing of the whole thing was blown up immediately. Um, and if it was in fact a zone read, then then Cam Rising just he either didn't see it or he he made the wrong read. It's it's one of those two things. Um, and so either may, maybe you just say that's a mistake on on the quarterback. So without knowing exactly what the call was and what the coaching staff ask Cam Rising to do on that play. It got blown up immediately at the line of scrimmage and the ball was on the ground. And then that seemed like, I mean, how many times Utah lost a few, but they, they got, you know, Utah was fortunate on a few that looked like they may have come out at times in the football game and, and they weren't recovered by, by Washington state. Utah is, it was, it was like, uh, it just became contagious. I mean, it happened once. I'm sure that all week long the coaching staff is talking about ball security, and that's the only thing on your mind. And, and all of a sudden, you know, nobody can hang on to the football. And that's a, that is an item that just, it, it just has to be corrected. Fortunately for Utah, Washington State was not particularly safe with the football either. And so it, it, you know, kind of evened out over the game. But ball security with evenly matched teams, it is the number one issue in deciding who wins a football game. So, Frank, we saw Jaquindon Jackson, the freshman quarterback, come in in relief of Cam Rising down in the goal line or down in the red zone to get Utah's first touchdown. It's a rushing touchdown mm-hmm. off the edge. They, they attempt to put Jaquindon Jackson back in in red zone play down somewhere around the 10-yard line, and Jaquindon Jackson ends up getting the ball knocked away from him. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on playing a two-quarterback system, pulling a quarterback out and replacing him in a red zone situation or 10 yards and in situation like you saw uh, Utah's Andy Ludwig and that offense do? Yeah, I I don't like a two quarterback system, but I'm also I also appreciate the creativity um, with the quarterback position, and especially if you're going to endanger your quarterback 
by by asking him to run the football in into traffic. And and now you're thin on quarterbacks, and you're you, you know you don't necessarily want Cam Rising, who's your starter, to risk unnecessarily risk injury by running the ball down near the goal line. So I I like the creativity. I thought the package was good. I I'm curious if we'll ever see it again because on two series Jackson fumbled the ball twice. He fumbled the ball going into the end zone. Now he crossed the goal line. That's a touchdown. Nick Ford recovered, but he had already crossed the goal line. So people forget about that. But he did release the football going into the end zone on the touchdown. And then on his second opportunity, he there's you know lost possession of the football. <laughs> that that is just you, it, we've talked about it ad nauseum. You just ball security is supreme. It has to be. It's been a hallmark of Kyle Whittingham football and uh, and Utah's just not going to survive many games in the Pac-12 if they don't have ball security. If you're just tuning in, it's your Utah post game. Utah gets the win 24 to 13 over Washington State. They do it in grand defensive style, getting 7 points from the defense, getting multiple sacks from the defense. You had big sacks from Van Fillinger. You had big sacks from Junior Tafuna. You had one from Mika Tafua. You had multiple pressures. Then you had a big sack on the interior from Halte Pututau. You had a huge pick from Devin Lloyd that was right Mm -hmm. at the line of scrimmage, one of the most athletic picks I've seen in a long time where Devin reached that big, long arm out there, tipped the ball to himself, and came down with it. Van Fillinger with another sack in the second half of this game. The defense was aggressive. It was swarming. It got lost a little bit when Washington State scored on a deep ball in the third quarter but then found their their stride again there in the fourth quarter. Um, I want to talk about the Curry fumble on the half-yard line and not so much specifically about Curry fumbling at the half-yard line, but, you know, obviously this should have been a a bigger blowout. This should have been a 31-13 to or or so game, but it it ends up 24-13 because Curry fumbled on the half-yard line. What do you do, Frank, at this point? You know, you've got – let's see. I was doing this math earlier. So you've got five five turnovers in the first three games, and then I think you had, what, three turnovers in this game? Three turnovers in this game. So you've got eight turnovers, and let's see. These three were fumbles, and I think you had – yeah, two other fumbles. So you've got five fumbles that and I'm just talking I'm talking about the five fumbles that the defense recovered, but you could probably add what, Frank, another four on there that Utah's recovered? Like like for instance, Britton Covey fumbles the the punt yep. return. Out you know, of bounds, yep. Uh, um we saw you mentioned it, Jaquinda Jackson fumbled into the end zone uh after the touchdown. Did, we, we did Fotheringham uh, was yes. he loose with the football as well? It was that was very close. They had to go back and review it. So we're, we, you can add that on top of what you actually have in turnover fumbles. What do you? What's going on? How do you change that? What do you do? <laughs> who do you? Who do you blame? Like, 
I, I don't even know. I, I, I want to attack the players because it's the players that have to clamp a football. I shouldn't have to teach a college kid how to hit all points of the ball and clamp with double arms coming through a line of scrimmage. What's happening with Utah's fumble situation right now? That it's, I I don't have a good answer for it because at this yeah at this point in these careers, you know ball security and I know that Coach Whittingham preaches ball security, so uh, it's it's just going to be it's going to have to be something they figure out and um, and. Whoever whoever is the guy that figures out how to hang on to the ball, he's going to be the guy that is in the game. And who knows? Maybe maybe Utah found that guy um, in this one. They had, a, they, had a, they had a running back who seemed like he was pretty explosive and maybe had the most ball security of all the other guys. In in the in, in and everybody played. Everybody had an opportunity today. So I don't know what the I don't know what the answer is other than. Um, focus and determination and proper technique um, because you just can't see the ball on the on the ground that often. So, Frank, I'm getting some of the uh, final official stats here uh, sent back over to me. And the University of Utah ended up with eight total sacks. You had a sack from yeah. Junior Tafuna. Um you had a sack from Akili Vamahi. You had, let's see, you had three sacks from Van Fillinger, one sack from Mika Tafuna, a sack from Devin Lloyd, and a sack from Kareen Reed. You have eight sacks for a total of 60 yards lost by this Utah defense. That was a fantastic performance by that trench and and finally getting themselves active in the pass rush. How much do you chalk that up to what Utah was doing and how much do you chalk that up to the fact that Washington State is one of the worst in the country at giving up pressures on their quarterback? <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought Utah took a step forward last week on the defensive side and, um, and I'm going to say that they took another step forward uh, this week against Washington State, but Washington State has proven themselves to be a very beatable football team. So this this is a this is a Utah defensive team that that at times looked dominant, but I'm not sure that's good enough to get it done throughout the rest of the Pac-12. So even though I think they're they're improving and they're getting better each week. Um, I think there's still work to do on that side of the ball. I, you know, Devin Lloyd was fantastic. Reed in, um, you know, you know, stepping in for Sewell, he was very good. Um, I, I, I think there was a lot of good. The defensive line seemed like you know mostly dominated the, the line of scrimmage today. So there was lots of good things that happened on the defensive side, and I still think that that there's room to to get even better on that side. Frank Dolce, Hans Olsen, this year Utah postgame show, 97.5, did The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Kyle Whittingham from the podium will be coming up shortly. Um, and then we'll get out to some of your phone calls, 855-340-9663, if you want to jump on the show with us. So, Frank, 
Utah was missing a couple of defenders. No Nephi Sewell in this game. Obviously, mm-hmm. no Vianne Mawala. Uh, he is out for the season. There And I know that Rotten was another situation that Utah was dealing with defensively. What did you think about some of the guys that were filling in and, and stepping up and and trying to pick up some of the slack that you're missing from – really, these are some of your, your best defensive players that you're missing. Yeah, I uh... – like I said, I thought Reed was was good. I, I mean, I thought he was really good. It's hard to lose a guy like Sewell, and so that that makes you a little nervous heading into the football game. But Reed stepped up and he played extremely well. I thought Lloyd even Devin Lloyd p- picked up his game even to a higher level. So that was that was critical. The defensive line didn't look like they missed a step. Now, again, we go back to Washington State not being very you know, very good up front, but the defensive line looked dominant at times. Uh, Marks uh, for Broughton, uh, I thought, uh, what did they end up with? 250 yards passing uh, Washington State. Yeah, 248. Yeah, they they threw the ball pretty well downfield. Uh, And they had, you know, they hit a couple big plays. They converted a couple third downs. But for the most part, I think Utah was able to keep the passing game in front of them, and then and then you know with the you have to you have to account for all the sacks and the lost yardage on the sacks, but they held the they held Washington State under 100 yards rushing, and so you know that all of those numbers, and then they created you know three turnovers, three interceptions in the game, all of those numbers look really positive for Utah with with uh, three guys filling in in key position groups. So, like I said. I'm pretty optimistic about the Utah defensive side. I think they took another step, but but uh, that will have to continue going through the Pac-12 schedule. As far as the offensive line goes, and I'll just throw in a, a couple of thoughts with the offensive line, and then we need to talk one other area um, before we let Frank go. But as far as the offensive line goes, in back-to-back offensive plays, uh, Bam Alessini playing off the left side gave up mm-hmm. two big hits two very big hits on cam rising and one was beat on an outside speed rush one he was beat on an inside slap rip and both gave up big time pressures that that ended up causing a lot of problems we saw multiple issues where defenders were in the backfield in the run game and i broke down a couple of those uh, on film at 975 Hans. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can see some of those. Um, I tweeted out probably six, seven different videos throughout the game showing some of the offensive issues where defenders were getting back into the backfield. One of them was, I believe, over the same player, the same player, no, sorry, it was Braden Daniels took a step that was way too far out to the outside on a run play trying to get the reach block. The defender just stepped underneath him and hit the ball carrier three, four yards in the backfield. So uh, one of them was a missed assignment on one of the sacks that Washington State got was a missed assignment on a simple defensive line stunt. It's his base of a defensive line stunt, as you're going to see, and it's something that college offensive linemen should pick up about 99% of the time. It's just a simple 
um, D-tackle, defensive end stunt. The D-tackle comes across the guard's face. D-end comes back underneath. You, Frank, you've seen it a 1,000 times, and you've seen it picked up 999 times. But Utah, Utah missed it on this one. Was the one and, time today? Yeah. yeah, that was the one time today, and and Utah missed it, and that's that's frustrating. So, the offensive line has a lot to work on, man. A lot to work on. But there's one other area that we need to talk about because in the pregame I talked about this. There were two things Utah needed to fix, and I don't talk about turnover margin because it's low hanging fruit, and people that don't know football, that's all they have to go to. So I let them do that. But I had to talk about it because they're minus two in the margin category. Going into this game, yep. they were minus two. And I said, no more, no more turnovers, no more fumbles, no more turnovers. And, of course, you got three in the second half of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one issue. But the other issue I was talking about was bad special teams play. And, Frank, Utah misses a field goal from, you know, five yards out that – that would have tied up the game and could have right. potentially cost them the game if they couldn't have got things going defensively or, or or broke one big run near the end of this game. What does Utah need to do to try to fix their their extra point and field goal kicking? It that that is such a strange. I mean, this this is a guy that was an All Pac-12 performer a year ago, and now. Every time he stands over the ball, everybody is uncertain whether or not he's going to be able to, to put it through the uprights. And at this point, um, I, I, with the way Utah is moving the ball offensively, points are just going to be at a premium. I mean, Utah's going to have to have to manufacture points any opportunity they get. And – and so if you can't rely on your, on your kicking game, because three, the way that Utah play, is playing defensively right now, three points is going to be meaningful. And if you can't rely on your, on your kicking game um, at this point, then you, you might have to start thinking about making a change there. And I would not be too surprised to see someone else trot out onto, a, onto the field and – and give it a try at a field goal. This, this is. What, what, are we at fifty percent now on the year for field goals for Utah? I mean, that's that is. Uh, Utah has survived on you know great defensive front play, great front seven, athletic secondary, beating people up at the line of scrimmage on the offensive side, great running running game, and excellent special teams play, and and. You know, two out of three of those things right now are still question marks for Utah going into the fourth, fifth game of the season. Well, they've got to get it fixed, and I'm sure that Kyle Whittingham will address this in some of his postgame comments um, and and address some of these other big issues that they've got going on because there's just too many of them, too many breakdowns, too many problems if this wasn't Washington State, Utah's not going to beat. That's right. You know, Utah won't beat USC next week with that type no. of performance. Uh, no, U- and don't Utah forget won't beat Stanford, Arizona State, Oregon, you know? Arizona yes. State. That's right. Right. With this type of performance, you will lose to USC, Arizona State, UCLA, Stanford, and Oregon. 
you could still yeah. potentially beat Colorado, Arizona, and Oregon State. So yeah, that and that's not quite bowl eligibility. That's five wins. So <laughs> no, you better put your not, offense yeah. together. Well, if if Utah offensively is what we saw the last five minutes of the game, then there's you know I think there's great optimism. If Utah's offense is what we saw in the first three and three quarters of the football game, then just you know it's going to be a it's going to be a battle week in and week out, and maybe you sneak a few of those games games out, but uh, but it's a 500 team if if Utah is is what we saw in the first three quarters of this game. You know, Frank, I've got a lot of people here on Twitter asking me what is Utah's biggest issue offensively. I think people are wanting they want to point a finger somewhere, whether it's at Andy Phillips or it's at Cam Rising or it's the, the offensive line or or it's the fumbles, the, the running backs, the fumbles. I feel like people just want a single answer answer, and it, you're not going to get one. No, I'm there's shocked. not. I'm shocked by how much the, the negative wealth is spread out amongst this Utah offense. <laughs> it, it is. It's not one. I mean, offensive line has its issues. Passing game has its issues. Uh, receiving group, they have their issues. Certainly the running backs have their issues. You know, maybe if Utah doesn't have three fumbles in this game that they lose uh, and the score is – you know, Utah has two more scores on the board. Maybe we're not. Maybe we're not talking about all this. And maybe it's maybe it's as simple for Utah as cleaning up the turnovers. Because mm-hmm. they, if they do that, you're probably looking at two two more touchdowns in this game. Yeah, you're for, right for Utah. And and, and 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 that would provide quite a bit of optimism, actually. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Because then it's a blowout. And then you think, well, you know, maybe it's not perfect, but it's certainly on the right track. But I think when you when you uh, when you're you know barely fifty percent in your passing game of the of the thirteen passes that are completed, eight go to three different tight ends, which I think is the right number, by the way, because there's so much talent at the tight ends. So so that's okay with me. But but you probably need to complete a few more passes than that. You need to be probably in the 70, 65, 70% range efficiency um, to be, to feel good about the passing game. Um, you need some guys, some guys on the outside to make some plays. I mean, every position group has an issue. Um, but I think the, the biggest is the, is the turnover, the turnover issue right now, because if that went away in this particular game, you're looking at a different, a very different outcome, and, and maybe you feel more optimistic about where Utah is headed offensively. Well, Frank, I appreciate you jumping on, man. I, I know it's been a busy day for you, but thanks for jumping on, and um, we'll hear from Kyle Whittingham, and, and we'll, we will get more from you, I believe, on Thursday. So, um, Yes, sir. Ho- ho- hopefully you've got a couple more observations, and, and we'll talk with you more at length on Thursday. Absolutely. You know, uh, coaches are fond of saying winning takes care of everything, but this one seems like winning just exposed a few more issues that Utah needs to to work on, but at least they got the win. So that's, that's nice. Maybe something to build on. Well, Frank, you actually, you really nailed a pretty important point. You take away two turnovers and turn those into 14 points. This is a blowout. Defensively, 
this defensive performance is going to hang with anybody. Now, you're going to meet up with better offensive line that isn't going to yeah. give up eight sacks. That's eight sacks. Utah had eight sacks yeah. in this game. And you saw the backup quarterback for Washington State, and you know that that's another situation in and of itself. But Jared Guarantano is the backup quarterback, and right. he and he threw three picks, and he was delayed in some of his reads and throws. So, you know, eight sacks might be reflective of of him. And you're going to see better offensive lines, but it was nice to see that Utah defense get their thing going. So I and Clark Phillips is one of the best corners that you're going to find in the in the conference and Devin Lloyd is the best linebacker. So defensively, even with the injuries, I think you're going to be okay. But like Frank said, you just clean up a couple of those turnovers, turn them into 14 points. This is a blowout. Then we're talking about, hey, there were actually two other drives that were pretty good drives that were full and complete that ended up in points. And this defense is is stellar. And maybe there's a higher level of optimism for Utah moving forward. And, and, and I'm not afraid to look at it that way because you clean up the turnovers and you might be on your way. You, things might be improving. Yeah, I, I sort of – that's kind of my takeaway from this one is that still issues, still issues to work on the offensive side, but um, you, you clean up those two things, 14 more points, you make your field goals – and um, and this one's not even close. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, Frank. We'll talk to you Thursday. Of course. All right, my man. Have a great weekend. Talk to you soon. You too. There you go. Frank Dolce. He is our Utah pre and post game show half uh, or pre and post game show host. And we appreciate him jumping on with us. Um, we'll take a quick break. We're going to have Kyle Whittingham sound here very shortly. We'll hear from him, get some of his thoughts in this game, and uh, we'll get some players' thoughts as well. And then we'll jump out to some phone calls, 855-340-9663. If you want to jump on those phone lines, if we don't have Kyle Whittingham sound coming back in, then we'll jump out to a couple phone calls before we get out to that sound. That's all coming up next on your Utah Post Game Show. Welcome back to Utah Post Game Show, 97.5, 12 into the zone and the Zone Sports Network. Hear from Kyle Whittingham coming up here shortly. Um, we don't have a ton of window of opportunity to take phone calls, so let's do it. Let's jump out to some phone calls. 855-340-9663 to jump on the post game show. That's 855-340-9663. We'll go to our first caller. I believe it's Robin. You're up first, Robin. Hey, guys. Hey, Hans. Thanks for working eight days a week. I love it, man. Hours a day. <laughs> I wouldn't Matt, change it. I, I, I cannot recall a stretch of three straight games where the first three quarters have been such a struggle on offense. Um, I don't know if we are getting better. I hope we are, but... Man, the way it's looking, we might be we might be a 500 club. And when you're on the half-yard line and it's first and goal, and I think I've said this before, what's wrong with the old quarterback sneak? I know if I got four or five Polynesians in front of me, I might try sneaking for half a yard. 
But I just think we get too cute with it, and mm-hmm. man, they they just got me nervous. I'm, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but so easily could have lost this game. But we'll keep going forward, and hopefully they can turn it around. But thanks for working so much, Hans. Yeah, love doing it, Robin, and thanks for listening. Um, there you go. That's It's that easy. Just 855-340-9663. Jump on. Some of your observations, thoughts, questions in in regards to any aspect, turnovers, offensive line, defensive line, um, some of the positive notes, negative notes, whatever you want to throw out there, this is your chance to do it. Call us, 855-340-9663. Robin, to your point, this second half was brutal. Now, there were a couple of drives that got right down next to the goal line. Jaquinda Jackson fumbles on one, and Curry fumbles on the other. Those two, those two turnovers, if you just took those two back and you turn those into one into a half-yard gain and one into a seven-yard gain, you end up with 14 points, 14 more points on the board than you did. And if you want to throw in a missed field goal from whatever it was, 28 or 30 yards, then you could add 17 more points in the second half of this game. So... Yeah, it was a struggle because I know every Utah fan had to get sick of seeing that ball on the ground, and and that is a struggle. And turning the ball over inside the 10-yard line a couple of times in a game is completely unacceptable. But there is an outcome in this game that, you know, you're looking at a 38 or 42-point performance from this offense, and, and then it feels much better. Then the defense gave you the seven points they did with the Clark Phillips pick six, and you add the 17 points that you could put up offensively, and then things feel so much better. Instead, you've got this horrible taste in your mouth with all these fumbles, which is totally understandable for Utah fans. And I know that you're coming out of that stadium, and you're looking at this thinking, well, it's a 24-13 to point win over Washington State. That's good, and it's good that you can get that win. But understand that that's not a a win against probably four Pac-12 opponents that you've got on your schedule coming up. USC, Arizona State, uh, UCLA, and Oregon. And then you could possibly throw in Stanford, depending on what type of Stanford team shows up. But there's four, if not five, that it's going to be a big question mark if you play like that. That many turnovers. That sloppy play, that sloppy play from your offensive line, giving up big hits and giving up pressures, it has to tighten up if you want to get the wins against USC and Arizona State in in the next couple of weeks. You got a bye week, and then you got USC, and then you have the following week, week you've got Arizona State, and you need to have it cleaned up and ready to go by then. Eight five five three four zero nine six six three to jump on the phone line with us. If you've got some questions or comments here for the Utah postgame, we are waiting for Kyle Whittingham's sound. Kyle uh, has already addressed the podium, and I'm sure that the sound will be here shortly. Um, I'm just looking down. I'm just looking down the the box score right now and looking at some of the other issues that we are seeing from the University of Utah, and kind of addressed it there for just a second with Frank Dolce, but something that's extremely frustrating right now, I think to a lot of people is 
the extra point and field goal situation that we're seeing. And as Frank mentioned, Jaden Redding has done good things for the University of Utah. And, you know, by accounts, he seems to be a good kicker. But for one reason or the other, he is he is shanking and pulling short short yardage field goals and extra points. He's got two missed extra points on the season, and he missed a field goal in this game that would have tied at 13-13. That's unacceptable. You know, we, we talked about this in the pregame. Utah's got to clean up their special teams just like they've got to clean up their turnover problems. They have to clean up those special teams. And the, these missed field goals and these missed extra points are a real problem. A real problem. So you got to take a look at that. Uh, you got to take a look at that field goal team. You got to take a look at that kicking team. And you got to get those things corrected. And you need to do it quickly. Um, another, another thing that I was looking at, I don't know what Utah can do at this point to fix their wide receiver problem. I'm not talking about their target problem. You know, Brent Keithy ends up with four catches for 25 yards. Cole Fotheringham has three catches for 33 yards. And Dalton Kincaid has a catch for 27 yards. Your three tight ends made up for eight receptions and yeah, about 100 yards. Eight receptions and about 100 yards. That's what your tight ends gave you. As far as your wideouts are concerned, really, you've got one catch for 14 yards. Devon Valle had a catch, but I believe that that was a seam route out of the slot. Makai Bernard had a catch out of the backfield for 12 yards. Britton Covey had two catches for eight yards. They just like to use him in quick slip screens and, and those types of things. But there is a real wideout issue. Or there's an issue with anybody feeling comfortable trying to throw it down the field. And that is a problem as well. So Utah's got to get their wide receivers. Utah's got to get their wide receivers up and running, and they got to do it quick. All right, uh, let's let's jump out and hear from Kyle Whittingham. I'm sure that there's a lot of positivity with what we saw defensively from the University of Utah, but I'll be interested to hear what he has to say about the multiple fumbles that were put on the ground. Here is Kyle Whittingham at the podium. All right, first of all, credit our guys for playing the full 60 minutes. That's pretty much what it took. Uh, we had talked about that all week is, is – uh, fighting for 60 and and understanding it may take the full 60, which it pretty much did uh, this afternoon. Um, squandered a lot of opportunities for sure. I mean, we had uh, fumbles, red zone scoring chances that we didn't capitalize on. So there's a lot of things that that uh, we continue to need to work on and we will. We'll keep addressing it. Um, I thought the defense played outstanding. Um, you know, you look at the numbers and and uh, really good. Uh, defensively, 318 yards. That's that's not a lot of yards in this day and age of football. That's uh, 
In fact, we'll probably lead the Pac-12 if we can do that every week. So nice job by the defense. Uh, great pick by Devin Lloyd. That was an outstanding individual play by Devin. Uh, we got after the quarterback, which is which is a plus. We hadn't done a, a lot of that this year, and uh, we really did a nice job. Uh, I see seven, eight sacks here. So that that's a, a whole complete turnaround from what we have been doing in the first three, and that needed to happen. And so the havoc plays on defense, sacks, takeaways were up. And when that, when that number's up, we usually had a pretty good outing. That's an indicator of that. So uh, <clears throat> got some things to continue to figure out on offense. Um, we did some good things, but we got to be a little more consistent, obviously, and obviously take a lot better care of the football. That was the number one issue, uh, without a doubt, uh, this afternoon. So uh, Covey gave us a little bit more in the punt return game tonight, didn't, or this afternoon, didn't have a, a huge one, but uh, got us some good uh, chunks of yardage there. Um, I thought the O-line, we'll have to watch the film to, to make sure, but the O-line appeared to take a step forward. Uh, Bam came in and did a nice job at left tackle, and that was, a, that was good to see. He came in and spelled uh, Jaron Kump there at the left tackle spot. And so, uh, you know, Cam, for his first complete game as a, as a Division One player, uh, you know, was, was, did some good things, but I know he left a lot out there, too, that he wants to get, uh, get taken care of and get, get better at. So, questions? What did you guys do on defense to allow you to get to the quarterback? You know, with eight sacks, lots of pressure. Yeah, we dialed up the, the dose of pressure more than the, the first three games, and so there was more blitz. Uh, not a ton more, but but definitely more. Um, just had some really good performances. Uh, Junior Tafuna, who I was talking about earlier last week, what what a pleasant surprise he's been. Really uh, played well tonight or this afternoon. Uh, Mika Tafua got a sack. Van Fillinger got his first collegiate sack. So it was not a whole lot of... Uh, magic stuff. It was just a little higher dose of pressure and, and a better job by our front uh, getting home. Where do you go with the running back spot now, just giving so many guys yeah. to put the ball on the deck? That's, uh, that's something we got an answer to, to have an answer for. Fortunately, we got a bye week next week to get some of this stuff sorted out. Um, and that's a, that's a great question because right now Makai had to leave the game with an injury and and uh, we've got to figure out what the what the uh, Pecking order and what the you know what that position group is, is needs to look like and is going to look like. Shoulder, upper body. Upper body, yeah, yeah. What do you say about Fletcher the way he did come in? I think it was all in the second half, yeah. 17 yards. And, uh... Yep, TJ came in and, and really did a nice job. You're right. I mean, the long of 60 really was the big one, but uh, he was very consistent. Uh, I thought Jaquin and Jackson gave us some good things until we you know put the ball on the ground in the end zone uh, or in the in the red zone. Um, and then, uh, you know, we had some carries by Chris Curry as well. He gave us a, a couple carries. But but overall, we've got to really kind of hone in on that running game and find out uh, who's going to get the be the primary ball carrier and get the, the uh, carries. We'd like uh, Tavion Thomas to be involved. But again, he put the ball on the ground. It was uh, after the play had been blown dead. But you got to secure the football. I mean, that's the bottom line. You mentioned the missed opportunities. What was the feeling like when Fletcher finally scored that touchdown? Put you guys up? Yeah, relief. I mean, it was like, yeah, okay, that's how we're supposed to do it. And then we also missed a short field goal that should have been a, a gimme chip shot. And so we we left a lot out there. Credit Washington State for playing hard. They were they were scrappy. Played the whole whole four quarters as well. And and. Uh, but, uh, you know, we've just got we got a lot to work on, kind of the same song and dance you've heard for the last three weeks. We're just going to continue to get better and, and uh, be, uh, you know, be, 
become who we need to become offensively because right now we're just still a work in progress on that side of the ball. You made a switch at um, PAT with noise. I mean, is, yeah. that, is that going to be a consistent thing where he's now taking over? Good question. We'll see. You know, Jaden, uh, when you look at the fall camp, he clearly beat uh, Jordan out. But Jordan has been coming on. Uh, Jaden's missed a few kicks this year, a couple PATs, uh, three field goals now, I think. And so it's all about what you've done lately. And, and uh, we'll have uh, competition these next two weeks and determine who the uh, kicker's going to be. I thought Jordan did an excellent job with his kickoffs tonight, uh, this afternoon. That was a big plus. No kickoff returns because he put them all uh, out of the back of the end zone. Was Jaquindon not ready to make an impact until today? Or was there something out there that you saw that you know, that he fit there today. Well, we we just felt we needed some more ways to to run the football. And, uh, you know, the Q run game is is obviously, you know, when you do the math, you get the extra hat in the box and it negates, uh, you know, what the defense can put in the box. And so it gives you better numbers. And and, uh, you don't want to run, you know, Cam to death. And so that was a way to supplement quarterback runs with uh, another player, a wildcat, if you will, I guess is what you could call him. I want to ask you about Reed. Kind of came in there today and played great for you guys, leading you in tackles and yeah. really stepped it up. Karani played very well. It was his first uh, opportunity to play collegiate ball. We were down three defensive starters with Vianney, uh, JT, and, and Nephi Sewell, and I thought all their replacements came in and picked up the slack and did a nice job, and Karani in particular. Yeah. You were open as far as Washington State had pretty much open the build in the first half. What, what changed in the defense that allowed you guys to kind of lock in and we just got better in the back end. Got started relating to coverage better with the linebackers. You know, we weren't relating to the in the zone coverages uh, as well as we needed to, and you know, getting disoriented a little bit and, and losing track of the routes. And and we did a better job of that in the second half. Plus, the, the dose of pressure got better. You know, we were, the quarterback was never seemed to be able to get comfortable back there because we were continually uh, in his face. We coach it every day uh, without fail, and. Uh, we're going to continue to coach it every day, and, and we just got to keep harping on it until we get the results we need. And it's, uh, you know, you start talking about it too much, it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where you just, it, it becomes a, a distraction. And so we just got to go back to work, uh, fundamentally carry the football like we've taught to do, and uh, we should be okay. Clark, Clark Phillips had another pick six yeah. straight time against Wazoo. What does that say about his play? Yeah, Clark uh, is a dynamic playmaker, and he's uh, he's got uh, a ton of ability. He's only got, uh, what, seven, eight collegiate games under his belt. He's playing like a seasoned vet, and uh, he it was a nice catch and a great return. I mean, he was uh, he showed some real moves in the open field and an ability to, uh, to uh, return the football. Given the chaotic nature of the week with Charlie and, and then the way this game played out, is this a good time maybe for a bye week to just take a breath? And it's a great time for a bye week. Couldn't be at a better time. You couldn't script anything better than right now having a bye week. And so <laughs> that is uh, very welcome. And uh, we need uh, all the time we can get to regroup and, and figure some things out, like I said, and get some guys healed up. We also lost three safeties in the game today. We lost Vontae Davis. We lost Brandon McKinney. And we lost Cole Bishop. And so we were down. We didn't have any more of the two that were in the game with the last two we had. And so if we had lost another one, uh, Scally would have had to gone out there. Play, so. Does any of that appear to be long? We'll find out. We, we hope not, but we'll find out. How important was this win for you guys, you know, after the tough non-conference two losses in a row? And, the, you know, you preached this week about just refocusing on Pac-12 play. Right, huge. It was a huge win for our program, huge win for our players because they've been working hard every week. And it's great to see them get some uh, – 
results for and uh, as a product of their hard work and and the and the way that uh, they approached this past week, their their attitude, their mentality, their work ethic was as good as it's ever been. And to, you know to see them gain that, uh, get the victory, and and show the you know the the proof of the of the work that was great. Coach, you mentioned how big the five is coming up for you guys. What does it do for you guys when you have an extra week to prepare for a big game into a team? Well, first of all, it allows you to get some guys healthy, get some guys rested. This comes at a, a perfect time, as I mentioned, for a lot of reasons. But you also, when you look at fall camp and then four games, and we got eight games left, this is almost right in the exact middle of that uh, entire process. And so it's going to be great to give our guys a break and uh, let them heal up and get their legs back underneath them and, and uh, again, figure out some things that we got to figure out in some position groups. So it's, uh, it's going to have a ton of benefit for us. Was the timing of today's game weird? No, it was great. No, love earlier the better. That's that's always my attitude. There's, there's uh, we play at 7 a.m. Literally, I mean, if you said we play at 7 a.m., we would. And so, uh, love day games. I know sometimes you know for the fans it's not as uh, convenient, and we're sensitive to that. But bottom line is we have no control over it, so you just play them as they unfold. There you go, Kyle Whittingham, following this Washington State victory, Utah 24-13 over the Washington State Cougars, and multiple things mentioned as to how Utah went out and got this win. Clark Phillips really shutting it down with that pick six there at the back end of that game. And then, obviously, some big play from that defensive line, big sacks, big stops, holding Washington State to only 13 points. They've got some big problems. And I don't know if they're going to have the same head coach here in about two weeks. Uh, Come October 18th, my guess is you'll probably see a new head coach there with the Washington State Cougars. This is not a good team. It's not a good defense. And there were too many parts of this game where Washington State looked like a good defense. But they are not a good defense. 855-340-9663. We'll jump out to some phone calls. If you want to jump online, 855-340-9663. And we will jump out to the phone calls here in just a second. One more thought coming out of the Kyle Whittingham sound. Kyle talked about this being the perfect time for a bye week. And you think about you think about where this where this bye week falls and the timing of it with the injuries that they're going through, some of the offensive line issues that they're dealing with, uh, the fact that they just had a quarterback leave. You've started into Pac-12 play. You've got four games under your belt. This might feel a little bit early, but you're getting ready for USC and Arizona State back-to-back. You, you've got a little bit of extra time to prepare for them. And this is going to be a very helpful time to get potentially Broughton back, to get Nephi Sewell back, and to start to feel like you've got an offensive line that's playing unified because this was the first time that you tried to play with Daniels on the outside and starting Bills on the inside. And so maybe this extra week and this next two weeks of preparation can help get this Utah team ready for the, the stretch of Pac-12 teams that they're going to have and face. All right, we'll jump out to the phone calls. Alan, you're up next on the post-game show. Alan, some of your thoughts in this game. Well, Hans, uh, the thing that jumps out to me, and, and maybe I'm nuts, but uh, I get the impression Kyle Kyle's intensity is really a double-edged sword with this 
with his football teams. Uh, it's terrific, the, the grittiness and the toughness that they have uh, and how how uh, physical their defense is. But it seems like on a lot of their skill positions, boy, when something starts to go bad, everybody presses, everybody's thinking about it, everybody's worried about yeah. fumbling yeah. the ball, people are worried about throwing interceptions, uh, wide receivers are, are uh, not uh, not doing anything. Quarterbacks are afraid to throw the ball on time. Everybody's so afraid to make a mistake that we play slow, we play tentative, and we play scared. And that's, uh, uh, I Alan, think that's you, the coaching thing. Alan, have you ever What's seen that? the movie uh, Glory? Uh, no, I have not. Okay, great movie. Um, I think it's early '90s. Matthew Broderick's, and it's about uh, it. Well, it's about the Civil War, and it's it's just a classic film. Denzel Washington, and for those of you that have seen it, and believe me, I'm not comparing football to war. I'm only bringing up this scene because it it is it kind of reminds me of the way coaching can affect somebody. But Matthew Broderick's is trying to teach this this new uh regimen how to shoot their muzzle loaders and one guy is extremely accurate shooting this muzzle loader but matthew broderick's as the leader of this this regimen he starts putting the pressure on him and then he fires a gun next to his ear and tells him to reload faster and and the more pressure he was putting on him as a leader the more he was fumbling the powder and couldn't get it in the barrel uh-huh. and, and 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 things were falling apart for him mentally because he had this leader that's right there expecting and demanding excellence. And it's such a it's such a tough line to walk, Alan, because you you want a coach that demands excellence. You want a coach that emphasizes the importance of not fumbling. And when a guy does fumble, you want a coach that doesn't accept the fumbling. But there does seem to get a point where, you know, whether it's field goals and missed field goals and missed extra points or it's it's fumbles. Now you've got Britton Covey putting a ball on the ground. Cole Fotheringham putting the ball on the ground. Tavian Thomas putting another ball on the ground. Jaquindon Jackson fumbling. You had Curry fumble. You had uh, Makai Bernard fumble. That's six guys on the field yeah. in one game that put the ball on the ground. Now, not all of them ended up being turnovers, but that's a lot of fumbling. And exactly. I, so I, I can kind of see – I see what you're saying, Alan. I just don't know what the fine line is because I want a coach that emphasizes it and doesn't accept it, and when it happens, takes the guy that it happened with off the field. But now if you take the guy that it's happening with off the field, you're not going to have anybody left out there because everybody's fumbling. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So kind of a tough situation. Alan, thanks for the call, man. Um Thank you. Yep, really appreciate it. Do it anytime. 855-340-9663. We'll take a quick break, and uh, we'll come back, maybe take a couple more phone calls, and get to your thoughts next. All-out blitz. One more than you can block. Huge moment right there by Clark Phillips taking that thing in to seal this game 24 
13 for the University of Utah. Getting a big win, a much-needed win, and doing it defensively. Eight sacks in this game for the University of Utah. Three interceptions, one return for a touchdown in this game for the University of Utah. Some big TFLs, some big quarterback hits, some big defensive moments, some huge uh, fourth-down stands, and Utah comes out of this game with a victory, which is very important that you can come out of this thing with a 24th to 13 win as badly as your offense performed in this game, and you still come out with a victory. And I know that uh, Kyle Whittingham talked about Bam Olesini and filling in at that left position, that left tackle spot for Kump, but but Bam gave up some big-time pressures and some big-time hits, and this isn't the best defensive line that the university is going to face up front, so they definitely need to sure things up. I want to give you an opportunity to hear from Cam Rising, the quarterback for the University of Utah. Here he is talking about this game and the win against Washington State. Cam, uh, was it was it hard to get a, a flow of, you know, within the offense with how many times you guys fumbled the ball? I mean, how, how difficult was that? Absolutely. I mean, we have to we have to pick up on Monday and make sure that ball security is is our number one priority. That's that can't happen again. That that was terrible. We we have to be better as an offense with that. Can't can't give up possessions like that. TJ, how how difficult was it with all the fumbles, with everything going on, to to find a rhythm? <clears throat> Um, I think the, uh, our coaches did a great job on the sideline, you know, just keeping us in the game, keeping our head focused and just, you know, just highlighting, you know, pad level and getting our free hand on the ball. And um, it's, it's something we practice so often that, um, you know, it's just about paying attention to detail. That's really all it, all it, all it is. Yeah, I mean, even with all the fumbling, was, you know, was there still a sense that if we could put one drive together that we can still get this game? Absolutely. I mean, the defense played unreal. They, they, they did their job, and, and now it's just up to offense to to hold their end of the bargain right there with that. And what's the message in the locker room with all those fumbles? I mean, where do you go with that? Um, a little explicit, but you know it it, it's, <laughs> it can't happen. Like that that that's 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 something that we 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 can't do. We can't allow to happen. It can change the course of a game too fast, and and we ended up shooting ourselves in the foot because of it too many times. And. That, that that message has to be felt and has to be firm. PJ, tell us about your touchdown on the drive before you had a big run, mm-hmm. and then this one you broke it all the way free. Talk about that run. Um, you know, uh, you know, uh, Coach Mack did a great job, um, you know, all week, you know, getting us prepared and understanding the front we're running against. And um, O-line, first and foremost, did a great job, you know, uh, opening up the hole. And, you know, uh, every, got my God-given talents just went from there. But the O-line did a great job, and I'm very proud of them, and uh, I'm very proud of them today. TJ, on a long run, it looked like you wrapped your entire body around the ball. You know, what was Coach Mack telling you guys on the mm-hmm. sideline as all these fumbles are happening? Just be cautious, you know, um, free hand and this understanding that uh, it's always the guy you don't see. So that was just the key for me and making sure that um, I was able to continue to drive in and, you know, be able to put it in. So. Did you know that you were going to get some carries this game? I mean, you've only had 11 yards coming into this game and played the whole second half featured back. Um, you know, I've been through a lot in college and uh, one thing I know, you, you, you want to stay ready before before you get ready. So that's just big for me. That's, you know, just being patient and understanding that um, my time my time will come one day. So I prepare every week like uh, Coach Mack does a great job making sure I prepare every week like, you know, I, I am the RB1. So it's just about taking advantage of your opportunities. 
Clark, you had obviously pick six. This is your second one against Washington State. What's it like for you to be able to have that moment? Uh, it's special. You know, you film study, you prepare, you game plan every week. Like, it's going to come to you like you're going to get that pick six. So when it happens, you know, you take advantage of it and you celebrate with your guys. And you obviously stepped up for Nephi. You led the team in tackles. I mean, you had a pretty monstrous day. What, what was it like to be able to be in that moment and be able to have that opportunity? Man, it was great. I think uh, it definitely started with the D-line, though. They did their job, and it made it easier for us backers to come up and make tackles. And so it was definitely a team effort. Okay, what was it like when you finally took the lead on that run by TJ? I mean, that had to be a big momentum boost for you guys. Absolutely. I, I, I love giving the ball to five. He's a playmaker, and he he he, he showed it right there. I, I love seeing that, especially when you just hit that crease. It's a, it's a great thing to see. Dan, what was it like to finally get your first full start as, as a quarterback? It was nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we, we won this time. No, 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 no injury or nothing. So that's good. It's always a positive. For anybody up there, you know, with the week that it's been, it's obviously been a little chaotic. Uh, and then the way this game went, is it a good time to have a bye week, maybe to take a breath and just kind of circle the wagons? Most definitely. I think, um, you know, give the, time, the team some time to debrief, to kind of rest up and to get your minds right for the next game. Yeah, do you mind answering that also? Just, you know, with the way the week went, I mean, personally, I think the team handled it great. They, I mean, the, the crazy thing that happened, unfortunate. Uh, I miss Charlie. I, I love Charlie. Um, still have a tremendous amount of respect for him, but we just next man up, and, and that's how it has to be. That's that's what we did. And the team took to it and just rode, rode off with it, and no, no issues there. DJ, you obviously in that first game of the season, you, you had that drop, mm -hmm. in the, you know, and obviously you, you wanted to get back in. What was it like to finally get that opportunity to actually kind of prove it again. You know, it was great. Um, you know, I leave after the game, you know, I just, I was holding my daughter and I had some tears in my eyes just because, you know, it's not easy. You know, college football is not easy. You go through ups and downs. And um, I, I feel like the ones that are able to remain steady and, um, you know, just keep putting their best foot forward every day are the ones that end up being successful. So, you know, it meant a lot to me today. And I'm just thankful for my coaches for always believing in me and, my, and the players around teammates definitely they keep me going sorry Cam there's been a lot of assumption that Jack Quinden would be really good in a short yard spot we saw some of that today from a quarterback's perspective what do you see from him when he's out there in that spot see a big man that's running downhill that's that's what I see he, he's 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 a force to be reckoned with when he's when he's running the ball back there and I understand why the coaches could see that There you go. Good stuff coming from the podium. Uh, I think all of them are very aware of the struggles with the ball being put on the ground. Also, some of the, the, the great effort by this Utah defense, and that's what this win really comes down to. Utah's defense showed up and showed out eight sacks and three interceptions. Wow. Those are big numbers. Eight sacks, three interceptions coming from this Utah defense, holding Washington State to 13 points. And Utah gets the win, 24-13. Some good rushing yards put out on the ground. A late run by T.J. Pledger for a touchdown. Gave him a bunch of extra rushing yards. Put him well over the 200-yard mark. 212 yards total, but T.J. Pledger breaks the 100 mark with 117 yards on 10 carries. Cameron Rising added five carries for 32 yards. Cameron Rising needs a little bit more preparation. He showed a lot of inaccuracies. He missed a few routes, four or five different routes. And a couple balls were catchable. In fact, back-to-back -back balls 
thrown to Brant Keithy in the first quarter of this game. One was a deep slant. The other one was a drag route. Both of them were just off target. They hit Keithy. He could have caught them, but both were off target. You need to bring those in and really dial them up and make sure you're putting those where your receivers can catch them. I also feel like Utah needs to shore up their pass protection, but defensively, I think they're really finding themselves. Going into this game, they were already number eight in the country. It's stopping the pass. They're only getting better through that. Now, I know that Washington State had 248 yards through the air, well above the season average of 135. But I feel like Utah's defensive backfield is solid and only getting better. And I think that this Utah defense will only continue to get better. If they can clean up the turnovers, if they just simply take away the the fumbles, that's it. Let's just say they, they don't fumble again all year long. This could be a team that, again, competes in every game. They're right there in every single game. But when you put three balls on the ground and you give your opponent three more possessions in the second half alone, you've got some serious problems. And there are some, there are some real butterfingers out there. I just went through the list of guys. Now, there were three that were given up. There were another three that were put on the ground. Britton Covey put one on the ground in a punt return. That is a head scratcher. Tavian Thomas, you heard from Kyle Whittingham. He had one carry. He put it on the ground. Now, his knee was down. Cole Fotheringham, his knee was down. But he put it on the ground. There are too many fumbles. Jaquindon Jackson, he lost the fumble, but he also had another one that popped out of his hand just as he passed the goal line. These guys have to go the extra mile to secure that football. And we'll see. I mean, I'm not even I'm not even trying to paint a better picture here. Simply take the two fumbles away, the one that you had on the seven-yard line going in and the one you had on the half-yard line going in, and just turn those into 14 points. And then add the three points on the missed field goal that should have been good from 28 or 30 yards or whatever it was. And then there's 17 extra points that you add to that scoreboard. This would be a blowout. And then we'd be talking about, oh, I think Utah's finding themselves instead of Utah's got a lot of work. I think it's that final line. I think it's that close. Just stop fumbling the football and start kicking the football through the uprights. And things will continue to turn around for the University of Utah. Big thanks to all the callers. Big thanks to Frank Dolce. Huge thank you to Austin Horton. Every time he goes up there to get the audio for the for Kyle Whittingham and, and these Utah postgame shows, it's always perfect. Big thanks to Jeff back in the booth in production. Make sure you keep it tuned right here to 97.5, 128 of the zone for your BYU pregame coming up at 6 o'clock. This has been your Utah postgame here on 97.5, 128 of the zone in the Zone Sports Network.